Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. How did he do it? How did he do it? That is Luka Magic! He hits! Bang! He hits! Bang! It's good! And the Mavericks have won the game! Thank you, Hello and welcome to the Just A Boy podcast, a Dallas Mavericks podcast. I'm your host, Joey Montoya, and as always, I am in fact just a boy. Uh, The Mavericks now on a three-game losing streak. Uh, Following that four-game win streak that we had, we have now plummeted to a record of six and seven below 500. And I know a lot of you probably want to freak out, overreact, uh, whatever you want to call it, jump ship early on. Again, it is a long season and uh, the last episode, I, I talked about how I don't want to reference missing guys uh, very often, but <laughs> I might have to eat my words here because these last two games, this back-to-back that we just faced on the road was two winnable games. The Bulls um, and uh, the Toronto Raptors, who have been struggling out east, um, two very winnable games for sure, but I sit back and when I'm looking at us losing these games. I just can't help but think we are still missing five key rotational pieces, two of which that are starters. Yes, we got Jalen Brunson back, which obviously is huge. We got to get these guys integrated and really just get the whole roster out there. Um, But man, not having five guys, two of which are starters and they all being such valuable key pieces to our team. I can't help but (laughs) recognize that. And with Kristaps back, I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting those COVID guys back integrated so we can really see what this team is capable of, what they look like together there on the court, especially with a new guy like Josh Richardson coming in, him being one of the COVID guys, seeing how he plays in the starting lineup with Chris Stops is going to be so much fun. Um, and Jay Rich posted on his Instagram story that he was back in Dallas, so we can assume that his quarantine period is over. Um, I was also assuming that that means that Dodo is out of quarantine and back in Dallas, but who knows? I would assume that they flew back together. I I really don't know though, because if Dodo was the one that tested positive and maybe he's still exhibiting symptoms and whatnot, uh, I don't know the full situation, but I do know that Josh Richardson is finishing up his quarantine and hopefully we'll be back uh, maybe tomorrow by our, by our next game. But as of now, Jalen Brunson is officially back. And then of course, Maxie and Dwight will still be quarantined for a little while. But let's talk a little bit about that first game against the Bulls. And usually you'd think that it's Zach Levine cooking us, which he did have a pretty solid game, as you'd expect from a player like Zach Levine. And everyone, uh, of course, this spurs more discussions of, man, we need to get Zach Levine on the team. And I would love to have Zach Levine, but it's just the thought of, of getting rid of guys that we love. I mean, you have to give up guys to get talent. But I just think a package for Zach Levine would be so, so much. You'd have to give multiple picks, guys like uh, Jalen Brunson, Josh Richardson, uh, Powell. I, I don't know. I don't even know what a package would look like, but it would take so much to get a player like Zach Levine that the Bulls have uh, groomed and really hung on to. Uh, but as I was saying, you usually expect a guy like Zach Levine to go off. But what you don't expect is Garrett Temple to be just straight hooping out there. I mean, there was a period throughout this game where we just could not stop Garrett Temple. He was going off and just destroying us, getting anything he wanted inside. And um, But again, the the storyline has just been the lack of effort on the boards and obviously missing guys like Josh Richardson who uh, provides so much defense. I mean, this last game, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep this on the Bulls game, but but yesterday against the Toronto Raptors, 
uh, from the, the clips that I did watch, the, the part of the game that I did, I missed some of it. I was hooping myself, uh, playing some pickup basketball. Um, but the defense, like we, we would score there at the end and try to go on a run, but then we wouldn't make a stop. And there's no point in trying to go on a run if we're just going to have these buckets matched. And obviously missing guys like Josh Richardson and Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, guys who are honestly our best defenders, it hurts tremendously. And that really was on display yesterday against Toronto. And having a guy like Garrett Temple cook your team, uh, there's indications there that you're missing strong defensive pieces. So again, um, it obviously hurts to lose back a back-to-back after losing uh, a game prior to that. So now on a three-game lose streak, but we have to be realistic and not get too emotional about these losses. I think fans, uh, casual fans specifically, like to um, look at a three-game losing streak like this and want to jump ship and um, entertain ideas of making trades. Uh, When you play Zach Levine, you're like, oh, we need to get Zach Levine. We need to do this. We need to do that. We really just need to write it out because uh, we have a solid group of guys. We have strong chemistry. And if we ride it out and see what this full team, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing for me, is we haven't seen this full team out there. We haven't seen them gel together and see uh, when we are at full strength what we can be capable of because I truly believe we can contend um, for, for a championship with, with the roster as it's constructed now. And I don't think I'm crazy by saying that. We have an MVP candidate. We have uh, another top 20, 30 player, uh, 20 might be stretching it, but a top 30 player in Chris stops, uh, three and D guy. Like we have so many pieces that come together and a championship team is more than just big names. Look at our 2011 team. It, we had Dirk. That, that was our only all-star. And yes, we had guys like Jason Kidd and the matrix and, uh, uh, Jason Terry, but they were past their prime. And, uh, what I'm trying to say is that a championship team just doesn't have to do with just big names like a Zach Levine, a big three. Um, of course, me saying this after Brooklyn goes out and makes <laughs> makes a move for their big three. But it's more than just that. And you can win a championship, obviously, with those big names. We saw the Miami Heat go on those runs. We saw Golden State Warriors have so much dominance. But you can have a championship team that is complete, that have guys who buy into their roles. I even look at the Lakers last season. They weren't uh, it was LeBron and AD, and then after that, there was a huge drop-off. But they had guys on their team that knew their role and excelled at that. And I think the Mavericks have pieces like that, like Josh Richardson, like Tim Hardaway Jr., guys who know what their role is on their team. They embrace it, and they excel at it. And um, if we just have guys that buy into their role, as I expect, uh, putting all these pieces together, I think we will be a contending team. Uh, Luca had an incredible game against the Bulls himself. He had 30 points in the first half, uh, got another triple double, but he, it was a game he said he played selfishly in, in the second half. And, uh, when you look at him only scoring six points in the second half, you might be wondering, what do you mean selfish? Well, what Luca is trying to say here is I was focused too much on one, not letting the game come, come to me. And also maybe focusing on not scoring too much, focusing on getting the guys involved too much. Like that's still a selfish way to play basketball. If you're saying in your head, uh, I'm going to keep from scoring, but I'm going to uh, try to find open guys. And we have to keep in mind that shots weren't falling. But when he says he wasn't playing selfishly, it doesn't just mean, hey, I wasn't scoring the ball. It just means uh, he maybe was forcing some things. And uh, it was a game that it, it just seemed like it was just Luka. KP had a pretty rough night as well. This was his second game back. So kind of expected, not necessarily expected, but not out of the ordinary that KP is still trying to find his rhythm, trying to get back integrated after being out for so long. Um, but 
The biggest thing that I took away from the Bulls game, aside from just being bad defensively, is uh, the defensive effort in general, in a general sense. Not just, hey, we were getting beat, um, but getting back on defense is something that you don't have to be a, a crazy skilled defensive player to uh, hustle, get back defensively, and, and keep fast break points from scoring. At halftime, the, we allowed 44 fast break points and points in the paint. And that's just unacceptable. Even if we are missing guys like Maxi, like Jay Rich, like Dorian, all those guys, even if we are missing guys like that, we shouldn't be allowing 44 fast break points and points in the paint in the first half of this game. Um, so that's really what it came down to. But I will give you something positive that I took out of this game. And it was watching Luka on a few of his pick and rolls, which we know how deadly Luka Doncic is on the pick and roll because you have to respect his passing ability. He can lob it up. He can also take it in himself with the size that he has and, and the finishing ability he has. Um, but then you think about Luka adding this mid-range game, which hasn't been talked about enough, hasn't got enough respect, enough, enough respect in my opinion, uh, because Luka adding a mid-range game adding another element to this pick and roll where uh, not only do I have to respect Luca going inside and, and I can't drop back, uh, but now he, he can hit, he can hit the shot. So that adds another element that the defense has to be thinking about. And it's just, it's just a defensive nightmare when you're, when you're looking at this, there's no way to defend it. And then on top of that, on top of Luca improving his mid range game so much, you think about Chris stops now setting the picks and he could either roll or pop. And there's just so many opportunities that the Mavs are going to have on the pick and roll that I'm excited for. Um, so Luca's mid range game, just keep an eye on that. Um, he's continued to improve that. Obviously we have focused a ton on his three pointers and his free throws and uh, his free throws weren't, haven't been bad lately. They've been getting better. He's still shooting uh, below percentage of his season percentage last season, I think by like two or 3%. Um, but I know we've been focusing on that so much. Let's not uh, focus so much on the negatives that we don't realize what Luca is doing right. And I mean, we take for granted how great he is. We get so used to him. Oh, uh, another 30 point triple double. And it's less impressive because he does it so much, but you have to understand how valuable he is to our team. Um, even whenever he's not scoring at a high clip, he's still getting other guys involved. He's still um, making an impact and, and drawing attention away from other guys, opening up opportunities. So Luka Doncic has been so valuable for us. And I know that there are areas that we're like, Hey man, Luka, you need to improve on this. Um, but we still have to not undervalue the, how much Luka has meant to us, even, um, with those things still being a work in progress. You have to remember he's 21 years old, 21 years old, he still has so much to learn, obviously. I mean, J.J. Barea talked about it in the J.J. Reddick podcast. Double, double J.J.'s there. Um, and if you haven't listened to that, you definitely should. J.J. Reddick, of course, is one of the greatest uh, podcast guys that I've listened to. And he's been a, a big inspiration for me as well. Uh, but he had J.J. Barea on his show. And Barea was just talking about, man, yeah, Luca is still, he's still not there yet. Like, he's still a kid. He still um, has a lot to learn as far as not only the game, but just growing up. And once he grows up and realizes what he has to put into this game, and that's not to say that Luca has a bad work ethic, but he, there's obviously jumps that he needs to take um, that aren't necessarily what numbers is he putting up when uh, how many shots are going like there's things beyond that, that Luca has to learn and has to understand before he can really reach uh, that championship level. And, um, he's on the right trajectory. Obviously no one expected Luca to be this great. So early on in his career, even when we drafted him, we're optimistic and we're like, man, he's great. Um, 
which that's kind of another thing I want to talk about. I think that Luca's second season, and this is kind of just a, this podcast has not had a ton of direction and, and a lot of um, <laughs> structure to it, but I just thought about it just now and I want to talk about it anyway. And uh, Luka Doncic in his rookie season did so many great things for us. I mean, very quickly we learned how great Luca's game was going to translate to the NBA, uh, hitting a buzzer beater shot to send the Portland game in overtime, uh, do, doing all sorts of crazy things with the ball, scoring 11 straight against Houston. And it was like, I feel like people who weren't watching the Mavericks, this just went completely under the radar. Like uh, they were making cases for Trey Young to win rookie of the year. And in Luca's second season, when he made this bigger jump to where he was scoring 30, whatever points a game, uh, getting triple doubles almost every night. Once they saw that, they saw it as such a huge jump and, and it was a huge jump and he should have been in the conversation for most improved. I think that's what Isaac Harris said. Um, but I just feel like he didn't get enough respect his rookie season. And, uh, we as Mavs fans though, I, I'm trying to tie this all in together. We as Mavs fans get so uh, used to what he does on the floor that it starts to get unimpressive because we're so accustomed to it. And I just want to say, don't fall into the trap of, um, missing the greatness that's right in front of you because Luca is a great player and um, he's, st- I still think he's my favorite for the MVP race and talking about the MVP race. I honestly felt like one of the biggest threats to Luca's MVP case race, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> candidacy was Kevin Durant. And I feel like I, I think I mentioned this this last episode, but with Kevin Durant now playing with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, I feel like it'll be harder for him to win it. So uh, maybe now LeBron is, is there and the narrative had already been that him and AD kind of canceled each other out, but I don't know about that. If, if the Lakers are the first in the Western conference, I think he has a real shot at it. Obviously. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest players in the world, if not the greatest at this moment. Um, but I think Luca really has a great chance that, that really increased with uh, the, the Brooklyn trade. And I know as fans, these awards races and stuff are something that we focus on a ton, but I know Luca's not worried about that. He just wants to win games. And if you look at the post-game interviews these past couple of games, it's pretty evident on his face that he just wants to win these games and he's really frustrated that it hasn't happened uh, now on this three-game losing streak. And uh, he takes a lot of responsibility for it. But at the end of the day, we are missing five rotational pieces. And <laughs> I hate to use that because it feels like an excuse, but it's so true. Like we are missing guys who are so, so valuable for us that contribute to us winning games. Um, and that Toronto game, when in that Toronto game, when Tim Hardaway Jr. is 0 for 6 from 3 and he is scoreless up to the fourth quarter, I don't even know if he ended up getting a bucket in the fourth quarter. Um, our second leading score, putting up numbers like that, it's just it doesn't translate to wins. And Toronto got the best of us. I, I guess Tampa Bay, we'll call them. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm very confident that we will turn things around. And it, it sucks to be on a three-game losing streak. But again, there's 72 games this season. We have a long way to go. And who knows what team will next? What team will be affected by COVID next? The Wizards right now, pretty much their entire roster has the virus or are in quarantine protocols. So. We just got to make sure we're locked in, not only on the floor, but uh, with this virus and preventing not only getting it, but also mitigating that spread. And hopefully with all the protocols that uh, have been tightened up, it hopefully it's very, very hard for this virus to get into our team again. And um, I'm thinking that these guys will, 
ideally get the, uh, not, excuse me, they'll get the vaccine within the next couple of months, maybe by March. I don't know if that's overly optimistic, but I think once these players, at least the players that want to get the vaccine, once they get it, I think things will be a lot better. And, um, hopefully that'll allow the playoffs to be played outside of a bubble setting and they'll be able to travel and stuff. And hopefully maybe some fans too. I'd really love to go to a playoff game. That'd be incredible. Uh, but who knows if, if things don't get better, I think that the season will still plug on. They won't completely end the season. Um, but they would definitely need to go back to a bubble into the playoffs because there's no way that, uh, with how things are right now that you could play a playoff series. So I know the NBA will be on top of that. We have, uh, such a player friendly league and, um, they're going to do what's best moving forward. And I'm really excited to not only see how the Mavs do moving forward, but also just how COVID progresses within the league. But that is about all I have for you guys today. Thank you so, so much for tuning in yet again. Once again, this has been the Just A Boy podcast. I'm your host, Joey Montoya. And as always, I'm in fact, just a boy. Go Mavs and God bless. Shut it down.